Welcome to Filmstrip, movie reviews presented by Continuous Play Podcast. These podcasts are spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of the films in review. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. I'm Brian. I'm Ron. And this is our review of Scream 4, starring David Arquette, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, Emma Roberts, Hayden Panettiere, Anthony Anderson, Allison Brie, Adam Brody, Rory Culkin, Marielle Joffe, Eric Knudsen, Mary McDonald, Marley Shelton, and Nico Tortorella. Written by Kevin Williamson, directed by Wes Craven, released in 2011 on a budget of $40 million, grossed 97.1 at the box office. We need to insert the prices right horn there uh, for that. So, didn't didn't work out the way they wanted it to, but I'm going to lean on you for a minute here, Ron, with this, because I, we both have talked about before that we liked and have watched the Scream television show, and if is my memory faulting me here or not, did, did Craven not want to do a TV show, and then the studio was like, no, you must do a movie, so this is what they came up with? Um, I hadn't heard that, actually. Uh, I'm I, woefully negligent on my research on this one, but... <laughs> could have sworn it was that way and because there's so many things in this movie that are in that tv show and i'm not talking about like slight references i'm talking about major plot point pieces and things that are a big part of that like characterizations and stuff that are a big part of that that tv show and i i wonder what the impetus was i never bought all the press that like we're bringing everybody back we're going to do another trilogy we're going to start with new kids and stuff i i never thought they would you know, get three deep in it again. And then I remember when I saw this thing, I thought, well, I don't know where they're going to go after this. Cause I mean, spoiler alert, I expected like, well, if you're going to do that, all the old cast has got to die. Right. So that we can have the new cast around. Nope. They all survive. All the old people make it except Mary McDonald. Then she doesn't matter anyway. So like there, no, there's nothing to bridge from here. I don't know. I, I was surprised when I found that they were doing Scream 4 because as bad as Scream 3 was, and we certainly skewered it last week or the last show, I I thought, well, it at least wrapped up the circle there. There's nowhere to go, right? There's nothing left to do. And I, I was skeptical. I've always been skeptical of this movie, so I don't know that I've ever given it a complete fair shake. What about either of you? This is the first time I've seen this movie. Um, I didn't. I remember when it came out, and I wanted to see it, but having kids, it's hard to go see movies now. So I don't usually tend to do it. But I remember I bought it right away when I actually bought it like four times uh, when it came out because it was in like the five dollar bin all the time. And so I'd always go by and I'm like, oh, five bucks, I'll get that. And I'd go home and I'd be like, ah, oh, crap, I already have it. But um, I hadn't watched it up until this this point. I actually went to see it in the theaters after completely skipping Scream 3, uh, mostly because uh, my wife is a big Scream head and wanted to see it. Uh, so that's why I went to see Scream 4. Now, I went to see Wes Craven's other, his Wes Craven 3D movie for a completely different reason. But, what was that? Oh, I don't remember that one. Uh, Soul Survivors. Um, yeah, it was poorly done, like post-production 3d 
Uh, and, and the movie itself was also bad. Wasn't so, that like his version of a Final Destination movie or something? Uh, yes. Okay, I basically. thought I remembered that. Yeah, I didn't see it in 3D, but I do remember seeing it like on cable or something and going, "This is is this a bad Final Destination movie?" And I was like, "No, they, they're none of those this stupid." And I was like, "Oh, this is a Wes Craven movie. Never mind." So, <laughs> I mean, like I I'm sorry, like I you know rest in peace, but. You know, horror master, my eye. You know, I mean, this guy got it right a couple of times, and mostly. Hey, if Mick, if Mick Garris can be a master of horror, anybody can be a master of horror. <laughs> Mick Garris is a master of Stephen King's way of adaptation. That's about the only thing he is. But have you ever seen Psycho: The Beginning? I rest my case. So. Um, <laughs> Even as bad as Base Motel ended for me, still way better than that. So, uh, yeah, you know, again, I I thought, well, how are they going to do this? And then I looked at the cast list, and I'm, you know, a lot older than the target audience for this, obviously. But I knew some of these people. I knew who Allison Brie was. I knew Hayden Panettiere, Emma Roberts. Like, I didn't know there was another Culkin brother, but I'm not surprised. You know, so I was like, okay, fine, we got a Culkin in there. And I recognized, like, the faces of some of these other people. I knew Mar- Marley Shelton. Of course, she's an older person in the film. But I knew a lot of the kids here because I watched a lot of the same shows that they were on and stuff. And I thought, well, you know, for the millennial generation, this would be like what it was for me when all the Party of Five and WB cast wound up on, you know, Scream and Scream 2. This was the same thing. So I thought they were going to go like I said, where it's going to be really focused on those kids. And then the older characters are just going to kind of be on the periphery. And that's sort of what happens, but it's also not entirely what happens. Like it's a, I don't know. I, I didn't read anything about like troubled production or multiple scripts or any of that crap this time though. I don't know if anybody was trying to steal the script on screen four, but, uh, at, there wasn't any of that controversy that from my memories of the, the production of this. I just want to interject, and and so you said you you didn't know there was another Culkin brother. I I'm not like I don't keep up with them, so no. I mean I know there so, are like two more, but that the, the stuff, but well yeah the good son right after your Home Alone fame that's, was that's uh, Macaulay. Macaulay's first one. That's and and his brother, both of them are in it. What's his brother doing in it? Because the brother. other one's Elijah Wood. No, the other one's Elijah Wood. No, he's in it. He's in this. He's in the same movie. I didn't know that. Is that like kind of yeah. like uh, Ron Howard's brother showed up in some of his movies once or something? Well, Ron, yeah, Ron Howard's brother only shows up because that's the only way he can get work. But not true. He was in Silent Night <laughs> in the Night for an Ice Cream Man. Ooh, wow! You, you would be surprised at how in demand Clint Howard is was for a good period of the eighties. Yeah, oddly enough, yeah. Go back and listen to The Wraith. He was on that one. So Go watch uh, Rock and Roll High School. He's in it. Yeah. So, Rock and Roll High School. But back, back to the Culkins. No, I didn't realize there were there were other Culkins that acted or whatever. And I have a question about his performance specifically at the very end, but we'll get there uh, as it goes. But, you know, I, I mean, like immediately my wife's never seen this movie. And so I'm watching it with her and she sees him on there. She's like, is that the guy from Home Alone? I was like, no, it's his brother. She's like, ah, there we go. I was like, yeah, it's the face, right? Like, you can't deny it. So, yeah, they look a lot alike. I mean, they really like fell out of the same gene, like hot tub. You know, like they they all <laughs> they all carry the the Culkin face. So, uh, but uh, anyway, well, I guess before we get any deeper into this and we start talking about Emma Roberts's face, because we're going to talk about it, um, Ron, why don't you hit us up with a plot summary? You got it. Touring the country off of the success of her new self help book, 
Sydney Prescott returns to Woodsboro. She quickly reconnects with her old friend, now Sheriff Dewey, and his wife, Gail Weathers, who's adjusting to small-town living. Sydney also gets to see her mom's sister, Aunt Kate, who we've never heard about until now, and teenage cousin Jill, again, who idolizes Sydney. Ghostface reappears and begins a brutal slaughter around town, targeting many of Jill's peers and classmates. Turns out, Jill is masterminding all of this with the help of film nerd Charlie, because she wants to be internet famous. In her words, she doesn't need friends, she needs fans. Jill kills Charlie, he's the scapegoat, and seemingly kills Sydney before inflicting a bunch of self-injuries fight club style and being discovered by authorities who deem her a hero. However, Sydney survives, and when Jill learns this, she gives chase in the hospital, uh, good old Halloween 2 there, where <laughs> Sydney finally gets the best of her by using defibrillator paddles to shock her to death. Too bad the series can't be revived as it transitions into TV land after credits roll. Well, that's a good lean summary there, man. We'll have to get into something in the uh, the middle, but I'm glad that uh, we get the whodunit out of the way. And, you know, that's been the, the spark of this series in a lot of ways, right, is that it, you're trying to figure out who the killers are. And it's it's a surprise, you know, the first time around. And then the second time, it's sort of a surprise. It's a bit of a twist because, again, it's a character we didn't know we'd never met before, but at least we'd heard about Billy's mother. Right. And then the third time it was the brother we'd never heard of. And so we get a little bit of that here with aunt Kate who has scars, by the way, Ron, she's important. And, uh, <laughs> and cousin Jill that we also didn't know. Like, and they, I think they're living in Sydney's old house. It looks like, I don't know. Um, but we, we catch up with the old gang. I mean, we've got Sheriff Dewey now and his loyal deputy, uh, played by Marley Shelton, who makes good lemon bars. There's no innuendo in that at all, of course. And uh, but her lemon bars taste like ass. <laughs> well, they, they they don't. They don't. <laughs> that's that's what Dewey says. And then you have Courtney Cox's. Well, you have the body of Courtney Cox. I don't know whose face that is, but that is. Whew, that's. I mean, Courtney's a beautiful woman, but that was not a good look that year. And you you have the rest of these people and. It's pretty much a like they even talk about it in the movie instead of being the rules of the quadrilogy or whatever. It's the rules of the reboot, right? Like it's the reimagining, it's the reboot, because at this point in horror movies, that's what was happening, right? We had had the reboot of the Jason movie and that didn't go anywhere. We were about to get the reboot of the Freddy movie and that wasn't going to go anywhere. And then we had already had a couple of reboots on Halloween and that was already dead. So like th this was a thing in the horror movies. So they get Williamson to come back and say, well, what do you think about reboots? And I think he could have summed it up in a word, shit, because he obviously hates them. And yet, Wes Craven did two or three reboots prior to this, uh, sometimes of his own work, because they redid um, The Hills Have Eyes, and they redid Last House on the Left. Yes, which we have reviewed the original Last House on the Left, and I watched the the new one, the new version again after we did that, guys. And far superior, <laughs> not even close. Like much better <laughs> film. All I around. can't imagine it wouldn't be. <laughs> I mean, goodness. Well, as we said, it's the most like R-rated nature documentary ever shot. Is that original? <laughs> uh, I mean, really though. But yeah, he, he. This is not anything new for Craven necessarily, but. 
I didn't I didn't know that I needed Scream rebooted. And that's what I want to ask you two guys. Is this a reboot? It doesn't feel like a reboot at all. It feels like a one-off kind of special season of Prison Break or something. I mean, like, it's, you know, we come back and we do a few things and then we're gone after 10 episodes. Yeah, it definitely doesn't feel like a reboot because, like you said, if you're going to reboot it, you need to kill off the old cast or completely just ignore the old cast. I don't think it feels like a reboot either. It's it's a continuation, and I believe uh, that Craven said it's about 10 years after the last Scream 3. Yes, that's what it's supposed to be. It's the and 10 it's year basically, anniversary, yeah. Yeah, it's basically Sydney writing her book and her story now and coming to grips with everything and trying to move on. It's all about her empowerment. Like She's not taking it laying down anymore. She's going to be, um, you know, in control and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, it took you that long to write this though. Like you think that would have come out like a year or two later. I didn't know it was a self-help book. I thought it was just like another murder memoir. I, I took it as kind of self-helpy because of the way she's pitching it. Like she's reading parts of it in the bookstore and all that crap. And I, I mean, it sounded like read this and you'll be empowered to kind of book. It was, I mean, it would be sitting next to like Joel Olstein's books or something, probably. Well, maybe not. I was exactly. thinking, I was just wondering how many murders has Tony Robbins survived to write all his self-help books? <laughs> well, who knows? Uh, I'm surprised we didn't get more cameo like that in this film. This film's cheesy enough to do that, but. Uh, but we've already, we've already crammed in, they, they crammed in so many cameos prior to the actual opening of the movie. Yes. I mean, cool. well, you've got uh, Lucy Hale. Mm-hmm. Uh, Snake Rhymes from Degrassi. Lucy Hale is from uh, Pretty, Little Pretty Little Liars, both of which were very popular things right about this time. You've got Anna Paquin, who, of course, is uh, True Blood, mm-hmm. was on at this time. Kristen, uh, Bell, Kristen Bell, Veronica Mars. Kristen Bell. Yeah. 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 Hayden Heroes. Well, Hayden Panettiere is a main part of the cast. Like He's talking about that opening of a yeah, movie. Oh yeah, 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 oh yeah. Movie. And then, and yeah. then, Cameos, you, yeah. then you've got Amy, you got Amy Teagarden, who was big on Friday Night Lights at the time. So, oh, that's right. Yeah, so I mean, that was her thing. And so you've got all that in the opening. And so I, I like wrote down some notes here because the, the opening is a movie inside of a movie inside of a movie. And I was like, wait a minute. So after all the cast, producer, and director of Stab 3 are murdered, all right, they went ahead and made one anyway, and then why not? I mean, so I actually looked up on the Wikipedia. All right, there are is a list of the stab films because there's stab one, stab two, then there's stab three, which was originally called Return to Woodsboro, but then was changed to Hollywood Horror after the production incidents. And as Amy Teagarden's uh, character Jenny tells us, that's when they stopped following Sidney Prescott's life because after that she threatened to sue them or something like that. So. Then they got into like the spinoff. So there's Stab 4, The Knife of Doom. And then there's Stab 5, The Clock of Doom, which is the one with time travel. Apparently where he goes, she goes, where Ghostface goes back in time to kill like Sydney's great-great-grandmother or something. And then there was Stab 6 and Stab 7, you know, which Stab 7 is kind of the latest one in this whole thing. And um, I'm just amazed that the studio went ahead with another stab movie after the whole friggin' cast died and the production team. 
Yeah, that seems pretty odd, but uh, hey, you know, I would, even but, with the killings, that they're out to make money. And I'm guessing yeah, that got, because of the killings, they made more money. Yeah, they probably had hundred. They probably had you know three hours of footage in the can at that point. I mean, uh, um, there's a like an hour worth of a Sleepaway Camp Four that's been released uh, in the Sleepaway Camp uh, Survival Kit box set, which I own. Oh. Um, yeah, and that's and that's a movie where nobody had any money riding on it, yet they put it out anyway. It's a rough cut, so I have no doubt that that somebody in that production would have cobbled together um, essentially a real-life version of uh, like a Blair Witch or a real-life version of uh, Cannibal Holocaust or something uh, <laughs> and, and put it out for wide release. Also, I would love um, I would love it if Stab 5 Clock of Doom was actually a remake of one of my favorite movies, the time traveling Jack the Ripper, uh, Malcolm McDowell, Time After Time. I've never heard of that, but it sounds awesome. <laughs> it, it is awesome. Jack the Ripper and H.G. Wells travel in time to the 70s, uh, <laughs> and H.G. Wells has to track down Jack the Ripper. Okay, so let's just talk about the opening, though, the way that they do it with this stab what is it stab seven is the beginning of stab six and we realize these two girls on the the couch marnie and jenny are watching stab seven and then they get into this whole discussion about meta horror films and stuff like that what did y'all make of the the opening with the you know sudden kills and all that stuff i thought it was kind of silly i just didn't see how it had any bearing on the rest of the movie other than to say, hey, look, what we, we've made all these movies in the meantime. I mean, I get that they're trying to establish that these stab movies are like a cultural phenomenon on par with the Jason or the Freddy's. But the issue to me is that they go to the fake cold open like once too often. There's three of them. Uh, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I don't need three. One would have sufficed. And I know you've got all these people who shot your cameos that are like big stars on the WD or uh, Freeform or whatever the Canadian channel is for the Degrassi girl. You could have just shoehorned them in as like somewhere else in the movie and had them die like you did with um, Buffy or Drew Barrymore. I think that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to recreate that opening again that gets us off of our hinges. And then it's, again, it's that statement of if, if the first scream movie was about kids who knew all the rules in, in horror movies that then all of a sudden we're in a horror movie, then this is one about kids that have gone through that era and have gone through torture porn now and are also just kind of over it, but they're still in a horror movie, which that's not nearly as interesting as the other one at all. I don't think that works on the same level uh, in any way for an audience to watch. Yeah, I don't think it works at all either. I think, but I mean, I can understand why you, you want to do that because you are dealing with a jaded audience who has grown up with the uh, scream. And I know what you did last summer and the, the, the rise and fall of the meta horror movie. Uh, the, it just doesn't really work for me. What about you, Brian? Can you repeat the question? 
bailiff. Uh, <laughs> does it? If the first scream was about a bunch of kids that grew up watching horror movies that suddenly found themselves in a horror movie, and that was the irony of it, or whatever. This one is pitching itself as kids that have grown past that now and are just kind of over it, but are also still in a horror movie. Hmm. I, t- I saw this as um, a very disgruntled family who's had to live in the shadow of what happened to their, I guess, relative who went away and hid and now the relative is bringing all of it back and so they're pissed off you know, that, that that's that's the vibe i get i don't i mean are they living in a horror movie sure right but that's the premise of all the screams so i i don't see why that should be any different now no I'm, I'm following you you're you're talking about what the movie actually is i'm talking about beyond that what the movie is purporting itself as as this you know again this take on horror movies from people that don't necessarily care about being in one but then they're all of a sudden in one like again every care every well, young but, character but in one this, of the character one of the characters really did care about that well the one guy right like he's well, he's the main guy Charlie, he, yeah and he helped spawn this whole idea anyway and got the family member to be involved right well, i mean let, let me ask you this uh, okay you just said that i i think all of this is jill's doing and she just found the and look, her like trigger point is not Sydney and her fame and all that crap. That just seems to be like the oh, and a good excuse to do this. She's pissed because her boyfriend cheated on her. That's why she shoots him in the junk at the end of it. I mean, that's the whole like the whole thing after all of her ranting and raving is I'm not the kind of girl you cheat on. Blam, right in the you know crotch. And I was well, like, that's a side story. No, see, I think that's the full thing, and I think all this other crap is just sort of the side to her. That's the way it's played. Okay, no, Ron, I don't think so either. I mean, no, I, that, I, I don't I, think I, that's I, it at all. She wants fame. She wants to be famous like Sydney. Uh, you know, that's what she wants. That that's just a side story. I mean, I, I, I'm going to go with Brian on this one. She she wants to be famous. Like, she wants to go viral before viral was a thing. If I mean, all she had to do was wait, like, a couple years, and she could have got on Instagram and, and made herself <laughs> Instagram famous or, or Vine famous. Yeah. But she wants to do it old school or what was new school then but is old school now and I guess have a successful murder channel on YouTube. Yeah, that's the the other thing is like all of this is going to be uploaded to YouTube or whatever so people can see it. But she wants to be the hero and and I she does go on a big run about you don't have to do anything anymore to be famous. You just gotta like have messed up stuff happen to you. So I orchestrated my messed up stuff. You know, um, mm-hmm. that's true today too. Well, and yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that's, she's making fun of, you know, things like the Kardashians and some of the other like reality TV stuff, people that were famous for just being famous. Probably not so much the Kardashians at that point as like Paris Hilton or somebody like that. Mm -hmm. who was just Mm -hmm. famous for being famous at that point. Like that was a term or a phrase I heard thrown around a lot and I, I get it, but, and maybe it's just because I'm older and I don't relate to that kind of stuff or, or anything, but like, that's not. Like I hear that and I'm like, eh, I don't know. I don't is that like a good motivation for a horror movie? I guess it's as good as anything else, but it just I don't know. It just has always kind of seemed weak to me. 
It's as good as my mom rejected me, and now you're going to pay. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of a really weak uh, premise, I suppose. But, I mean... But it fits the he... it fits the the time, right? It fits that millennial attitude. And we're in two thousand what seventeen now, so this is only six years ago. So yeah. this is the start of that. So it does fit that generation. And it's funny that you mentioned Paris Hilton because uh some of these one of these roles was actually written for Paris Hilton. Really? Um one of the one of the, the two murdered the two murdered girls in the beginning, yeah, or not uh, the two like real murdered girls, uh, not the not the ones in stab, the one that gets the, uh, undressed and then gets killed from the closet, that kind of that girl. Uh, yeah, well, the two um, like J- Amy Teagarden oh, and Brady okay. Roberts, Jenny things. and Ernie, yeah, yeah, they were, uh, if I remember correctly, they were supposed to be uh, Nicole and Paris. Uh, Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan. Oh, that would have been awesome. <laughs> but you know what, though, they're they're too old for the like you. They're they can't pass as teenagers at all anymore. Especially actually, Lohan. My, my, my bad. It was um, the Anna Paquin and Kristen Bell roles uh, St- from the cold opening of Stab yeah. Six, still, they're twenty somethings. Like nobody would have bought that as millennials. Well, yeah, but Anna Anna yeah. Paquin and Kristen Bell were both. In twenty somethings, I think that was yeah. part of why you would get Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm saying Amy T. Garden and the other girl. I can't remember her name. Marnie is the character. Like they are, they they look like teenagers. They're teenagers. You know, they they both yeah, look, work. Yeah, but he he is saying that Paris Hilton is supposed to be in the Anna Paquin, Kristen Bell scene. Not oh, the other I thought one. you were saying they're supposed Paris to be the, the two teenage girls. Uh, okay. Yeah, but I got it backwards. Okay. Those two girls were uh, Britt Robertson from Under the Dome uh, is Marnie, okay. by the way. Yeah, I love that girl. Okay, so e- either way... But, yeah, the Anna Paquin and Kristen Bell were supposed to be Paris Hilton and uh, Lindsay Lohan. Well, that, uh, I assume they couldn't afford that much cocaine. <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> That's probably true, actually. Um, I don't know, is this around the time Lindsay was doing I Know Who Killed Me? Or that may have been before this, I guess, but... By the way, if you haven't seen that, folks, that's a bad movie recommend right there. But anyway, back to Scream 4. This so, is after that. So, this is after, after. Yeah, I thought that was a little bit. Several years that, after. So. Yeah. so we get this n- new youthful cast, right? And like I said, I recognize Jill and Kirby. I knew Emma Roberts from several things. And then um, Hayden Panettiere, I mean, remember the Titans? I knew she was a little kid. And then, of course, she had grown Euros. up. And, yeah, she was in that. And she was in... Uh, what was the other one? Not uh, John Tucker Must Die, but one of those kind of films. I love you, Beth Cooper. She was in that, and so I'd seen her in a, before she was married to the boxer. Like I, I've seen her in a lot of stuff. So she, you know, recognizable faces again, right? And you know, that's one thing I'll I'll give Williamson credit for here is he realizes he's dealing with a totally different like set of kids completely, and he is good at putting their culture and their ways like into his stuff quick. You got the chick that's driving the SUV way out of control, listening to her loud friggin' no nothing music. And they're like all playing on their iPhones all the time and stuff. I'm like, you know, that's, that's one thing that this movie is 14 years past the first scream, but Holy cow, how much stuff had changed in 14 years, but he seemed to capture the youth culture pretty quick. 
I think you did a great job of capturing the youth culture. Um, like you said, just sitting there looking at your phones all the time and, well, where did I place my phone? You know, all that stuff, everything that they were, they did in this was perfect for the culture of the time. I mean, iPhones had been out now for around four years or so, and they had, they they were big, you know, cell phones and, and smartphones were huge at this point. We're playing with and apps. they, uh, mm-hmm. and they disa- disable the router later on in the movie. Yeah, There's a router disabled. Yes. Yeah, and the kids the got, um, what's his name? Um, uh, yes, not Charlie, but no, Robbie, um, the the kid that's on the internet all the time with the the camera and the headset. Yeah, Robbie's got a, 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 a Robbie's got what essentially is going to become a GoPro. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, they got the webcam in there. Yeah, he's constantly like, yeah, and even Gail is like setting up cameras all over the place. You know, yeah, and she gets caught on a webcam. Exactly, she figures <laughs> which, out, that, yeah. Which Gail setting up cameras was kind of a stretch for me. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't think Gail is wireless cameras too. Kind of person that like would know how to do. Like we when we meet Gail, let's just talk about poor old Gail here. We meet Gail, and she is like sitting there trying to figure out what the H she should be talking about to somebody, right? Because like what she should be writing about now, because husband is you know the the sheriff now which i'm like wow dewey good job you know dude you you ascended well but you've got that and you've got her sitting there in her mat going i have no idea what the f to write you know she has no we got to remember too that uh dewey drops the line that she's writing non or writing fiction books now not non-fiction which is what she's good at right and she had written one fiction book and it bombed so yeah. like yeah, so she's already like tried this and it didn't work and now Sydney's got you know success with her nonfiction book so that's a little awkward and weird you know so there's I mean I kind of feel for Gail and and now I'm gonna say this right now Courtney Cox is terrible in this movie but I feel for that character because she did kind of give up the life finally for Dewey basically and she's like got nothing going for her now at all so when this happens. I get why she is like, I'm jumping on this story. I know everything about, you know, this. she has some line in there about, I literally wrote the book on it, you know, or whatever. And I thought, well, that, that's pretty funny. I mean, I, I kind of feel for Gail in this. I mean, she really doesn't have anything going for her. Well, I mean, to, to be fair, uh, well, to be, uh, rather to be unfair to Dewey, his meteoric rise to sheriff is, <laughs> if, if, if where I live is anywhere like Woodsboro, the sheriff is elected by the people, mm. and everyone would know Dewey's name. Oh, yeah. And they'd be like, oh, well, we feel bad for him. Um, so now that his dad's not the sheriff anymore, uh, or no, it wasn't his dad. No. That was in the that was in the campus. Yeah. That where his real dad was the fake sheriff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Dewey's well known. He's clearly well liked. Everyone kind of feels bad for him because how many times has he been shot and stabbed at this point? Like, well, eight, I eight mean, times. now he's walking around pretty good. <laughs> I was like, man, I guess time heals all wounds, eh, Dewey? Hey, technology great grows. Maybe they had the tech to fix him now. Maybe he did stem cells too. We don't know. It's California. Yeah, it's true. So. Maybe when he got stabbed in his old scar tissue, it straightened his leg back up in the third one. <laughs> could have been. So, uh, but yeah, he's got things going for him. Go ahead. You were running with that, Ron. Yeah, he's um, he's clearly got things going for him. And as someone who does write, 
um, occasionally, I can totally empathize with Gail because there's nothing quite as intimidating as looking at a blank page and knowing you've got a deadline. Now, she doesn't have a deadline. She can take all the time in the world she's got for this book. Uh, but yeah, I can definitely see why that would be pathetic for her. But my question is, if Jane Pauley walked into any local newsroom in this country, do you not think she would get a job immediately? Yeah, exactly. Like, I think she had probably done enough. Don't you think she could get back on Entertainment Weekly or whatever the hell it was she was on? Oh, yeah. Uh, probably, but you got to remember, she did kind of smut news, not news news. No, she probably had a reputational career. No, that's what I'm saying. She was doing, like, entertainment-style news. She couldn't go back to doing some of that. I guess she couldn't she do it She was doing TMZ-style news, not entertainment-style news. She couldn't do it from Woodsboro, though. That's the. I think that's the trick. But I think that that name should have enough cachet in Woodsboro that she could transition to doing straight news. I mean, it all depends on uh, what she did in the 10 years prior. Yeah, but no, not really, because you don't need to be good. Like, you don't need to be a good reporter to be successful in local news. You have to be, like, popular and well-liked. And if she was a fixture on national TV, she ought to be... Yeah, but there's ego involved too. Well, that that, that I think you've hit on. I, I think she could be the queen of local news, but I think Brian's right. She doesn't want that. She had national fame and recognition, and she's given all that up, and now she doesn't know what to do with herself. And so that's that's one thing I want to talk about, though, here, because when she eventually follows the kids to the party and she gets attacked and stabbed, I was like, when I first saw this, I was like, yes, they're finally going to kill one of the, the old characters because they need to do that anyway to give it some weight. But that's the perfect one to take out. Like, Dewey survived everything. He's a friggin' Terminator at this point. Can't kill him. We're not going to kill Nev. Not like this, at least. So kill Courtney Cox because, one, she doesn't have anything going for her, and she gets fame-hungry again, and she starts chasing it, and that should be her demise. The fact that she lives, that she's pretty much out of the movie, but she lives from this, just that just sinks the whole thing. I'm like, no, no, she needed to not be there. That character needed to die. And she needed to die so we could continue the screen tradition of, of everyone Dewey knows and loves getting murdered. Right. Good point. Yeah. Yeah, I think I agree with that. But uh, that's a good point. Does anyone that Dewey loves and cares about get murdered in this one? I don't think so. No. I mean, he doesn't. I mean, I guess he cares about these kids, but no. I mean, his wife gets stabbed. And his Does friend, he care about the kids? He yells at that one for speeding down the road. I'm giving him benefit that's of the doubt. That's just yelling at it. That's doing your job. I know. I'm giving him benefit of the doubt. But you're right. He doesn't, he doesn't care. Why should he? I mean, he's, he's got it made. He's got everything he ever wanted in life. So I, you know, I don't know. He's got he's got deputy lemon bars too. So I mean, holy cow, this guy's got everything he wants. She's laying it on thick. <laughs> I just I don't know. I I felt like well, okay. I'm asking though. Do you guys agree with me? Gail should have died at that point, right? That would have meant something. Oh yeah, she should have died like. With some Three. Japanese style blood spray out of her throat and everything. Oh, but you want wow. to be like serious. <laughs> I wanted her to get what was the line from the beginning? Uh, stabbed in the neck until you feel bone. 
Ooh. Ugh. Yeah. Ouch. Boy, Ghostface, Roger Jackson, same voice once again back here. Boy, he talks a whole lot in this movie. I mean, <laughs> shut the hell up. And thankfully in his own voice the whole time. It's, yeah, he's not. Yeah, we don't have any more of that voice changing technology. So, uh, well, we have the app. Now, but now so. we have the app. Yeah, because yeah, everybody can talk like Ghostface now, which I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I'm an idiot. I went and looked to see if the app was there. So, <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, really, though, I. I think she should have gone because it would have it would have made some weight happen right there. What happens at that otherwise blood party? Nothing. The 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 router gets smashed. Like nothing else comes of that. At this point, like the four leaf clover that she's clinging on to needs to have lost its leaves because. It, 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 you're right, it does work a lot better if she loses her life in pursuit of that brass ring again. The thing that she had and lost or gave away, she finds that purpose again. Plus, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Dewey would have been much happier with Debbie Lemon Bars. Well, yeah. I mean, she's supportive, nice to him. They have the same career path. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. So this is also awkward <laughs> and weird because like, weren't they breaking up at this point in real life? I believe that's a good question. Either they, they had, or either they were getting close to it or they already had. Yeah. I, which is I, even weirder. Yeah. I'm like, well, that would have been awkward on the set. Like it wasn't weird enough. Right. But I could, I don't know. I just, I was watching that going like, there's, I mean, the chemistry between them was always kind of weird anyway, but now it's really weird. Like, I'm like, mm, this is not, this doesn't work anymore. I, Apparently, they didn't get divorced until 2013, which it doesn't seem yeah, like they it didn't in this file for divorce until like June 2012. 2012. Okay. So it wasn't long after this then. So, uh, I don't know. I, yeah, they just don't have anything here. And I don't buy their whole reconciliation either. It seems kind of superfluous because none of this matters. That's the thing we should mention. The fact that she gets stabbed is just an excuse to get her off the screen, right? Like that's all that does. It doesn't, they, uh, they separated in 2010. I mean, it doesn't do anything for the story when, when she gets stabbed and sent to the hospital, it's just so he can have somebody to talk to later and at the hospital. Like there's nothing that that, Service, well, uh, it, it, the, no, I mean, the only purpose that it really serves is that uh, she identifies that Jill's the killer because yeah, she knows she does that, at the end. Yeah, she, the, yeah, how does that's, she, that's her purpose in the movie. How did she know I got stabbed? Oh, see, you know yeah. what? I didn't think about it like that, but you're right, Brian. So now they've given her more to do than she deserves. That sucks. I thought I her. <laughs> See, I assumed her whole purpose in this movie was for that uh, uh, dialogue scene she has where they talk about how a marriage between her and David Arquette slash Dewey would never work out in real life. Because it wasn't. <laughs> when they were shooting it. So, eh. Um, maybe so. I don't know. It's just, again, I know we needed somebody to turn the clue there at the end. You're right, Brian. But that could have... That could have happened to anybody, you know. It could have been. Could have, yeah. Sydney could have done it. Sydney could have said that they could have let her reveal that. No, in some no, way. no, 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 because Sydney was still unconscious. I know, and but, we had to get Jill in there to try and kill her again. Well, 
you know what? You could have had Dewey go in there and, you know, Sydney's unconscious and he holds her hand. And he's like, I can't lose you too. I lost Gail, lost everybody, blah, 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 and just run through all the people that he loves that have been murdered. And for her to wake up and look at him and go, where's Jill? And he's like, she's fine. She survived too. And he, she's like, no, she did it. He hole. <laughs> the next thing you know, but yeah, uh, but he has to reveal that. He lays that or, on Jill. He's the one who tells Jill that. So, Or you could have the scene, just the scene where they're talking about Gail, uh, Dewey, and um, what's her face? Uh, Lemon Bar? Jill. Dewey and Jill are talking about Gail in the past tense, and then Dewey connects that, you know, as he's walking away, talking, maybe talking to Lemon Bar, that Dewey connects that she's going to have the exact same shoulder stab wound that Gail has. Maybe we can let Dewey actually be an effective <laughs> sheriff. <police officer. laughs> yeah, let, let him. I mean, he, he was a decent like PI in part two. He could have been a good cop, right? So, yeah, I'm with you. They could kill her too in that scene where they're in there and she shoots Jill. Oh yeah. Well, but at that point, we had already gone down the road, man. It was over. I suppose. So, but that could, could have done it there. We're, we're hanging Doesn't up on it? the end. Like We haven't even talked about any of the kids, but go ahead. Who cares about the kids? <laughs> Doesn't it look, didn't it look like to you that... Shot in uh, the head? Yes. Marley shot looked so like too. she got shot. Yes. I, how in the, I thought she got shot in the dome. And I, feel, yep. and I can't prove it. But I feel like maybe in one version that was what happened, but then in a rewrite, like she popped back up and they, they kept the shot of her taking it in the head because it looked better. I don't know. I mean, I mean, they well, shot the gotta be something because it looked like it looked like it they even put a like, hole in her head. Right. Yes, and you can see like brain pieces or something fly <laughs> out of her head where she gets shot. It's that squib. Yeah. I'm telling you, man. Like I think they had a good shot, and Wes was like, "Well, we'll just use the shot. Nobody will know the difference." And you know, now there's years... no squid, Dave. We know there was no squid. That was CGI. Oh, okay, you got brain meat. You are correct. That that is a computer. And well, you know what? Maybe the guy on the computer was like, "F y'all," you know, and did it anyway. I don't know. I'm putting it in the final cut. So, I know better than all of you. So I mean, really, I don't know. I but you're right. I I thought she got shot in the head too. So when she pops back up to kill Jill, who's up for one last scare because we got to do that damn thing again. Uh, the, the, yeah, I no, I didn't. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, we already killed her by doing the paddle thing. I want to tell you another movie that uses that that's awful. The remake of Black Christmas uses that same damn thing. And it's terrible in that, too. So, uh, I, that when when they were doing that whole, like, I've just got one thing to say, clear. And I'm like, oh, God, I know you didn't do that. <laughs> just, they, yeah, clear, and they shock her to death. I was like, that's dumb. I wish you had said clear and then a bunch of Eaton's invaded Jill's body and like <laughs> gave her depression. So, yeah, exactly. So then she had to go and like, you know, work out all of her differences. That would have been perfect. Yeah. And the last scene is her sitting at the big Scientology castle in Clearwater with Tom Cruise. That would be, yes, that would be perfect. That, uh, well, look, they weren't going to pay Lindsay and Paris's Coke fee. They weren't going to pay Tom's fees. Okay. Let's just, let's dial that down a little bit, but really though, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't see the, I didn't see 
that going that way. But we're we're all the way at the end, and I know we said we don't talk care about the kids. We got to talk a little bit about the kids because they are the ones doing all the murder, or at least one of them is. What did y'all make of the fact that it was the film nerd that was the muscle, basically? Because I'm I'm not certain of this, but I don't think anybody, I don't think either of the actors that are revealed to be the killers are ever in the costumes except when they take their masks off. Like the, those people <laughs> did not look like they fit in that at all. I um I thought it was going to end up being the video camera guy for a lo- the longest time, but the instant that uh, Charlie was strapped in the chair, I knew it was him. Oh, really? Why Why did that tip it off for you? The Steve callback? Uh, because I he he didn't seem like he was too concerned. I mean, based on his movements and attitude and everything else, I just felt that that was him. Yeah, he definitely he definitely wasn't as freaked out as uh, Steve was in the first one. That, Plus, I didn't I didn't feel like they were going to repeat the same thing they've already done. Well, I don't know. They'd repeated so many other things. They were repeating dialogue yeah, at that point, and that's why I, yeah. I assumed that they weren't going to do this one because because it would be too cool to watch that Culkin kid get gutted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I just I I felt that right at that point that kind of tipped it that he was one of them, and the other one I didn't really catch on to. Um, uh, I thought it was a weird one to choose, but um, in the end, I guess it makes some sense. You you got to put it on one of the other kids because of the whole millennial the, the whole millennial thing going on here. And then um, I did like the fact that they brought back two, and they made it obvious right away that there were two, which I thought was great. Yeah, there were two killers. Yeah, yeah, surrounding people. Yeah, that that was nice. I kind of thought. I mean, I'll be honest. I thought we might get like four. I thought when I first saw mm-hmm. this, I thought all of these kids are going to turn out to be the killers. Like Hayden Panettiere is going to be in on this and Video Kid and uh, Rory Culkin and Jill. They're all going to like be the killers. And that's going to be the twist. Right. I just didn't pick up well, on the kill. My well, own that was what we one. talked about. Uh, that's what we talked about for Scream 3. Right. Remember? Yeah. That was the original ending for Scream 3. And it's like they took. Kevin Williamson took some of his ideas that he wasn't able to use for Scream 3 and recycled them into Scream 4. Well, I mean, wasn't able to use. They trashed it and never used any of it, so I'm sure he had it sitting there going, well, hey, Wes, I've got this idea that you hated 10 years ago. Let's try that now. So Wes didn't, <laughs> Wes didn't hate the idea. Yeah. They didn't want to associate Scream 3 with Columbine. That, this, this is true. This is true. But, uh, well, but if you're going to... If you're going to have somebody kill, like, out of a motivation to become famous, it needs to be Gail. Thank you. That would have been the other thing you could do, was have Gail start all of this back up. That would be the ultimate Scooby-Doo. And she had the perfect perfect reason, too. She was jealous of Sydney getting famous off of her story. Right. And, like, what if it was her, Jill, and Charlie? Like, that would have been, like, the ultimate reveal is that all of this is Gail's thing. That would have been awesome. Yeah, Which I is probably why they didn't cool. do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they they went. I'll say this about Emma Roberts: she has a fierce look to her, like at all times. Like she always looks like she's on the verge of cutting onions or cutting your throat at any moment. Like she just has that face, right? But she has a good like presence on screen. Everything I've ever seen her in, I'm like, she's really good. Uh, even in like really cheesy stuff. I, I mean, I watched a little bit of that show Scream Queens, which is hilarious at times, but it's also really trashy. But she's great in it. I mean, she's really good in it, and she's like the perfect mean girl. 
So I get why they would have you know cast her for the role and got her to do it, especially opposite of Hayden Panettiere, who's like America's sweetheart. You know, she's the cute blonde girl, and now we cut her hair off and we kind of make her punky and neat, and she's you know she's forward with the guy she likes, but. Uh, and that's ultimately what gets her killed, too, because she didn't pay him enough attention beforehand. So he guts her with a freaking Conan knife. But I, I, I she's basically the uh, she's basically the proto version of Audrey from the Scream TV show. Thank you. Yes, she very much is the proto version of the Audrey character from the, the Scream TV show, uh, which is. I mean, again, I, I go back to my theory of like, I, maybe they wanted to do the TV show and nobody wanted them to do it. I don't know. But there there seems to be so much of the TV show in this film. It's hard not to notice it. Especially and I mean, honestly, Emma Roberts is much more of a TV person to me than a movie star. I think she's made she, made much more of an impression in her television roles. I agree with you there. Yeah, she and she definitely is more akin to Eric Roberts than Julia Roberts. <laughs> hey, I like Eric Roberts. So <laughs> I, I love Eric Roberts, but Eric Roberts walks that line of yes. either looking like he's going to cry or looking like he's about to commit a murder, usually erring on the side of committing murder. Is she not his daughter? Isn't that right? She is. See, that's what I'm thinking. Okay, yeah. Because I knew she was Julia's niece. So I'm like, she, maybe she's his daughter. Yeah, she's his daughter. So that's perfect. Yeah. Well, I mean, she definitely gets the old man's facial expressions. That's for sure. So. Like the, the crazy eyes? Yeah. Yeah, that. And also, again, that that kind of boiling underneath the surface thing. Of the kids, though, here's the thing. I got a question about Rory Culkin here. Because I kind of like him through most of the movie. I mean, he's pretty... He's fun. You know, I, like, he, I buy it. He's, he seems kind of neat and interesting. But at the end, when, like, the reveal's going on, why is he skulking around like friggin' Igor? You know, yes, mister. Like, he's humped over and all this stuff. I'm like, what are you doing? You didn't get stabbed yet. What are you... It's just the weirdest performance. Did either of you catch that in the kitchen? I was like, that is so not the way you've played this. I did not catch that. I, I saw him behaving weirdly, but I just assumed that was because he was a Culkin and they kind of end up <laughs> doing, making strange choices in their acting roles. Uh, yeah, I don't Could know. Could just be him being nervous, too, about everything. I guess. I just, I had never thought about, like, just the way he plays it again, because he has this kind of quiet confidence, but nerdy thing, like he's a little introverted the whole movie. And then at the end, like I said, he's just sort of hopping around like he's jacked up on speed he starts, or something. He starts hair acting. Yes, he keeps playing with his friggin' hair. Thank you, yes. And, like, all of a sudden, the hair's like, he's he's hiding behind it where he wasn't before, and he's messing with it all the time, and he and I don't know what, like, compelled him to make that choice or what made Wes Craven say, hey, start playing with that weird hair. Yeah, I don't know either. It's, um, but you're right. It definitely he definitely changes from from I I guess it's all brought on by him killing Hayden Panettiere. Yeah, because I mean, what happens is she goes out there like we get the scream phone call again, and this time you get the horror expert Kirby on the phone, and she just rattles off like fifty answers in a row. 
And like she thinks she, you know, she answered the quiz, right? And she goes to untie him, and that's when he pulls out the, you know, miniature Rambo sword to stab her with. And that whole bit about all these years, and you just now ignore me, bitch, and you know, kills her some more. He should have slept with her first. I mean, the no, sense was, that there were no virgins in this movie. I'm just going to throw that out there. I think that like had no out virgins. The window. I'm going to say Charlie was a virgin. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I'm going to say the other kid was it Robbie? Robbie? I'm going to say he is too. I don't Rob? think so. Robbie's gay, so uh, well, still be a virgin. He could be, but I didn't take I him as one. Robbie, of I don't think Robbie was actually gay. I think Robbie was just saying that. Just saying that to try to not get murdered at the end again. Yeah, because he says if it he helps. says gay people don't get married. Yeah. Or murdered or murdered get married <laughs> get 2011 murdered. i don't know were they, i don't know if we we're doing that or not either that's a good point bro like in hawaii so, i think yeah you're probably right yeah so but point being he does try to pull out all the stops and it doesn't work um but i mean he's the perfect avatar for that other kid in the screen tv show too the one that kind of runs the podcast and blog and you know does the web stuff all the time they just kind of split the robbie character into two and gave him like a female best friend so who's by curious I think it's what she calls herself. So, but anyway, that's more about the TV show. But I, I don't know. He, I mean, he kills Kirby. I, I wanted Kirby to live. I hated that she died, but I get why she needed to because she's the perfect kind of cannon fodder for this. By the way, Trevor deserved to die for a lot of reasons, but for being cock block of the year, I think that's the biggest one, right? He like totally screws up Charlie's game. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe that, maybe that's why Charlie was like, "F it," <laughs> you know, and just went with it before he went and killed those two useless cops. Uh, OC and Anthony Anderson uh, in the in the car. Mm, but, uh, yeah, talk about some you know more blood than necessary. I don't think brain injuries bleed gallons of blood. No. I also think I also don't think if you get stabbed right in the middle of the brain, you can walk around like. Apparently, you can. Really? Because West really? West Raven saw a, a a thing about a guy who got stabbed in the head and he drove himself to the hospital. And that's where Wes Craven got that idea. Yeah. But he got stabbed Craven. right down the middle of the two sides. Wow. That's um, yeah. But the other guy probably got stabbed they, in the side of the basically head where they, but no, because if you get stabbed in the middle of the brain, you still got two functioning halves of the brain. Hmm. Cause Good you, point. Cause when they do, um, like there's a treatment for, I think it's, uh, epilepsy. Where they basically go in and they cut out that little middle connecting thing that connects your left side of your brain to your right side of your brain, and it makes huh. epileptics normal. I didn't know that. Huh. I didn't know that either. Like, yeah. this is educational. Like, uh, educational podcast today too. I'm like serious. I did not know that. That's interesting. So, uh, well, I don't know. I I think it was just because he's such a ham, and they wanted him to go f Bruce Willis because they've been having that talk about you know tough cops and how they survive or whatever, but. Uh, and that was, I mean, when I was in the theaters, I'm, you know, people laughed at that. I laughed at that. I chuckled. I thought it was funny. I was like, yeah, eh, that's cute. You know? So I was like, oh, that's also probably Miramax doing one for their buddy, Kevin Smith, you know? So cause they know who had already they, suffered through cop out. Yeah. They already knew the hell that <laughs> Bruce had put him through. So, uh, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if that's not why that's in there. But, uh, anyway. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so Charlie gets blocked, like we say, and then all this goes down. But, the, I mean, Aunt Kate, you know, I, I wrote in my notes, I was like, why are you here again? Oh, right, your scars. 
Yeah, as you said in the plot summary, we didn't know anything about you to begin with. I don't, I don't know that we needed to know anything about you now. Like, I, I guess we have to have a parent because Jill's underage. Like, that's the, the reason that we have her, right? That's the only reason. And so that Jill yeah. can kill her mom. Right, cause, and she blows that off. Like, yeah, no, no loss there. It's like, woo, you know, harsh. Love you, mommy. <laughs> that's the only time she's even seen in the movie, isn't it? But no, she's in two scenes. She's in one okay. earlier and then the grocery scene where she dies. You're right. She's not in there much. That mom was originally supposed to be um, Lauren Graham from Gilmore Girls. That I could have bought. Mary McDonald looks like she could be Emma Roberts' grandmother. So, like, th- that would have been neat if we had Lauren Graham buy it like that. It would have just been another, like, little nod to... The, you know the WB right. cast but, crew that make up this film. Yeah, but think about it though. Like she could pass as Nev Campbell's aunt. They kind of look alike. Like uh, Mary McDonald and Nev Campbell, like they come from the same pool <laughs> at all. So the same pool. <laughs> I mean, anything you know, tree, whatever. Uh. So I, I'm just saying. So you cast sometimes two on the nose, but that one would have been slight enough. That would have worked, but. Either way, she's in two scenes. She gets killed, and as look, as Jill says, no big loss. And I, sorry, I didn't care. I was like, eh, eh, whatever. Are yeah, you gonna I walk, didn't care either. Are you gonna walk around in the sheet and haunt us now again? We're we gonna do that shit again because that was the only reason I would have cared. But anyway, so it was. Uh, I don't know. It's all to get to the end, the reveal time. Trevor gets the nine millimeter to the junk and then to the head, and. Uh, Talk about a bad looking effect, by the way, man. CGI bullet holes in the head up close do not look real. Don't doesn't work at all. That looked bad. Um, and then friggin' Igor walking around before Jill turns on him and takes him out. I did like the fact that like I kinda always harbored a guess that Billy was trying to kill Stu all along anyway, but he's being sly about it. Jill's like, screw it, and just kills him. Uh that was I mean that tells you how pathetic that dude was. I was hoping that Charlie would actually have killed Jill instead of vice versa. I would say it would have turned around that Jill had this great plan, but then Charlie killed killed her. That would have been interesting. Yeah, because Charlie would have uh, learned the le- learned his lesson from the first Stab movie. Ah, good point. That would have been smart. Uh, we obviously didn't review the script enough to get to that, but yeah, okay. <laughs> I like that. That that's a better that's a better ending, right? Good good one. Yeah, well, clearly that's why they couldn't do it. Plus, I mean, <laughs> you've got a random Culkin, and then you've got one of the illustrious Roberts family of actors. You're going to go with your Roberts. Roberts Culkins. I don't know how do they rank with the Arquettes. I mean, that's. <sighs> Well, the Arquette survives. This is true. The, the <laughs> Arquette that? survives. You're right. So. That's a good point. Uh, well, okay, what about the showdown in the hospital, though? The epilogue of it, because like it, like the way the it goes when she's being wheeled out to the hospital, and then even afterward, after she's been killed, like she is lauded as the hero. Like she gets what she wants. Just too bad it's the wrong story. Is that supposed to be a a smack at the news for running with the wrong story? A lot of times, a, aka Colin. Well, they don't. They don't know what's going on inside yet. Right. So, but they're running it, to they're, get the story because that's what they do. Well, of course, they're they're propped up outside. Uh, she's all they know is she's alive. She's in there. She's the hero of the day, and um, I, I kind of like that they ended on that and didn't actually learn the, the correct stuff because now she gets her fifteen seconds of fame before all of a sudden she's the murderer. <laughs> right. 
So in a sense, she gets what she wants. Unfortunately, she's not around to see it. I think it would have been a much braver movie if they'd stopped right there. And we'd gotten her being wheeled out of that house. Everyone thinks she's the hero and her plan is successful. And then maybe you do a scream five where she's being hunted by somebody who knows the truth. And then boom, that's Nev Campbell. That would have been interesting. Oh, yeah. Nev Campbell has to go his face. Interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, you, it, it's like, uh, what's let's his... get to work on this movie right now. guys. <laughs> it's like, what's his name said in, uh, that, uh, the Dark Knight, you either you know, go out on top as the hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I mean, we wanted we wanted Gail to be the killer. Why the hell couldn't Cindy finally just snap? <laughs> you know? well, she's already murdered a few people. I so. mean, she has killed a lot of people. So <laughs> this is true. So uh, that, I mean, I can... Most prolific self-defense killer in America. <laughs> <laughs> Probably behind Chuck Norris, but good call nonetheless. That's, oh, Chuck. That's, uh, <laughs> Hey man, don't don't. But we don't know how many people Chuck Norris has killed for real. This is true. This is also true. So, <laughs> Jeez. Well, well, one thing's for sure: this movie series was dead at the end of this, and I have seen varied reports about. Yeah, we're going to bring it back. No, we're not going to bring it back. I don't know what to believe. The television show was really successful for a couple of years. They're going in a different direction with that now. Do either of you know anything? Like, are they ever going to come back to Scream again, you think? Or is this this one done? It's got to be done. What else can they do other than what we said? Have one, either Gail or Nev be the killer. Well, you could probably make Scream 5 a lot cheaper now that, you know, uh, Courtney Cox isn't getting a lot of TV work anymore, and, mm. and Nev Campbell's essentially disappeared. And is David Arquette still with us? I don't. I haven't seen him in a long time. <laughs> WCW World Heavyweight Champion David Arquette is just fine. <laughs> it's good to know. Alive and well, sir. It's good to know. I think he's making appearances at uh, WrestleFest now. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll make a, joke. a Well, if TNA was still owned by the same people, he'd probably be going there next. But anyway, so um, I think Red you can always get he can always get a job with Billy Corgan's NWA. This is true. He probably could. So, well, I think we're at the point of the podcast where it's time to give final thoughts and popcorn ratings. So, what are yours for Scream Four, Brian? Well, honestly, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I actually enjoy this one, and I don't know if that's a product of the fact that we got two pieces of crap in two and three. <laughs> Or that this was actually a better movie all around. Um, was it awesome? No. Did it have flaws? Of course. But I actually enjoyed watching this one. So for me, I'm going to actually give it a medium popcorn. I thought it was worth watching again, and I probably will watch it again. Ron? Uh, I had the exact opposite experience as Brian. I found it a, pretty hard to watch, uh, if only because I kept losing interest in the movie. And I don't know if that's just me or if that was a, a testament to the kind of bland look of everything. Like, I kept zoning out really hard. Uh, so for me, it's a small popcorn. I, I wasn't a huge fan of it when I saw it in the theater, and I'm less of a fan of it now. It kind of makes three look like a better movie, which is a weird thing to say. Wow, that is a strange thing to say. I, I'm going to say this about this movie. It is infinitely better than the third one. Not even close. And it's probably as rewatchable as the second one. If I weren't so darn bored with it, 
because it goes on. I mean, it's almost two hours long, and I'm like, you could have cut 20 minutes out of this, I think, and it would have been lean and mean and probably worked better. I, I mean, part of it was I didn't really relate to the whole meta context of the the story, and also I, you know, the wrong people were getting killed or not getting killed, as, as we've talked about. And I just kept thinking oh, this this movie just wants to it wants to talk about how crappy reboots are, but then it wants to be a reboot. Like that's all it knows how to do, and that to me was just really disappointing. And the thing about it is, it's not terrible. Like it's not off the rails and just dumb. So it's it looks decent, and most of it you know works effects wise. The it's got the best opening song of any of them, by the way. That song about the sounds to die for is a great song. That's way better than Red Right Hand. So uh, <laughs> we didn't get any. What isn't? <laughs> yeah, really. So, but I uh, I thought it was okay, but. Gosh, it just always leaves me wanting more. Like, it could be so much better. And that's the definition so many times of what I call the medium popcorn movie. The middling, mediocre, could be so much better, but doggone it, it just it just doesn't want to be. It's just going to be the damn New York Jets. And that's what this movie is. It's decent, but it's just never quite good enough. So it's, it's a so me- are, medium popcorn are, for me. Are you saying that this is the Vinny Testaverde of the Scream franchise? <laughs> Maybe it's so. the definition of eight and eight. Maybe so. Yeah, the Jeff Fisher. Sorry, Brian. So no, it's true. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's very true. It's very, look. It could be so much more, but it just refuses to be in spite of itself. And it had opportunities, but just didn't happen. And I look, I I say now, I don't want them to make any more. I don't want any more screen movies. I liked those first two seasons of that TV show. That's fine. You know, I'll watch the third one too to see what that's all about. But. I don't need another movie. Now, Ron, I've talked a lot about the TV show. What what did you make of it? You watched it, reviewed it, your wife reviewed it for Den of Geek. I really enjoyed the TV show. I, I'm If the two seasons of, of Scream were, which I actually haven't finished the second season yet. I've got like three episodes left. But um, if the two seasons of Scream that I watched were a Scream movie, it would be the second best Scream movie. Agreed. Like it's definitely up there. The first season, especially, I loved the first season because it was this. It was the meta thing, but it was done better. Uh, the pacing, I thought, was really well. Uh, was really uh, well done. Better certainly than this movie, which you're right. It is half an hour too long, and I think that's why I couldn't focus on it. Like I checked the runtime of this like five times while I was watching it, and it just <laughs> felt like it seemed to crawl. Because it does. So, so. Yeah, cut, cut this thing to eighty-eight minutes, and, and it's a better movie. Yeah, maybe there's a good fan edit out there that I'm just not aware of, and that would be awesome if there was. <laughs> Were they replace Emma Roberts with Jar Jar Binks? I'm on. <laughs> no, I think I think Emma can stay, but um, we maybe we can get get a little bit of the. I don't know what you can cut. I don't. I don't. Now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I don't know what you cut out, but maybe cut Aunt Kate completely because who cares? But and the cops. Cut, cut Aunt Kate. Cut Aunt Kate. She doesn't matter. Cut the cops. Uh, cut lemon bars. Cut, way back. You can keep lemon bars and you can keep Anthony Anderson. Lemon bars and Anthony Anderson were two of the things I actually like because they're funny. Uh, That's they're good. Lemon bars, and Anthony Anderson, and OC were great. Like I would watch a movie with like this Woodsboro Keystone Cops versus Ghostface all day long. You cut out Gale. She's not important. Unless, unless she's the killer or dying. Yes. Right. Unless you make Gail the killer, you could cut out 
you could cut out the Culkin, you could cut out Hayden Panettiere, um, and you know, still have an efficient movie. Like I would love to watch like a Woodsboro cops hunting down this ghost face because it's such a it's a, it's a more interesting crew of actors and they have the freedom to be funny where I don't think it didn't feel like any of the teenagers could tell a joke to save our, their lives. I, I think Hayden, P, Hayden Panettiere has a little bit of comic timing, but you're right. They didn't hire these people to be funny. And Emma Roberts is certainly not a comedic actor. She has a dry wit. She's a smart ass. So if you laugh at her, that's why. But none of these other people are funny. And all the funny got laid to Lemon Bars and Anthony Anderson, honestly. So uh, Charlie and Robbie should have been funnier. Because if you're going to have one of them be the Jamie Kennedy, he needs to be funny. And if you're going to have one of them be, um, uh, what's his face, Shaggy, he needs to have some kind of weird energy. And, and at no point do we, are either of them funny or have like weird energy. Colgan uh, has that weird the, energy at the end. Except for the very end where Colgan starts acting like Igor. Yeah. You know Even what? then, just give me Marty Feldman. You want to have you like, want to have fun? Those two could have been a couple and turned the, the screws on Jill. How about that? I would like that too. It, it, more interesting movie. Yeah, but like we said, it just it just didn't work. Now, Brian, I'm glad you liked it. I'm mean, I'm glad you found something in it that you could go with. I'm, I mean, this movie has its fans, that's for sure, and it didn't make great money, but it made it money and. You know, it's it was enough that they decided, you know what, doing a TV show after this is not a far stretch. Like we could make that work. And MTV, MTV's produced some pretty decent, you know, young adult, young teenager television in the last few years. So, I, you know, more power to them for getting it done. But change their freaking name. <laughs> Well, that's that's another story for another day. But I'm glad we got to talk about it here on Filmstrip, guys. We'll be back uh, later on this year. Some more stuff. Both of you will be on some different shows with me. I've got some new things coming up later on this summer and then on into the fall as well. So, folks, of course, you can find all of our episodes on our iTunes feed, also on our website, continuousplaypodcast.com slash movies. Leave us a good review on iTunes. Helps people find the show. We appreciate your support. Until next time, from Ron and Brian, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website, continuousplaypodcast.com forward slash movies. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes and link up with us on Facebook. The Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121. <laughs>